So, Dale, I don't know how much you know about therapy, but it usually starts by you telling me a little something about yourself. I thought there'd be couches and Kleenex and shit. Look at me, son. It's not your fault. Do you want to talk about some of those feelings? I love you. Obviously, you don't know me. So how is this supposed to work? You sit, I sit, we talk. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam. And I'm Dr. Fran. Welcome to Freudian Scripts. The podcast where we put your favorite TV shows and movies on the hypothetical couch to take a deeper dive into the way psychology is portrayed. We analyze the way therapy looks in entertainment, discuss the way psychological diagnoses are portrayed, and break down other psychological themes seen on our screens. As a reminder, Freudian Scripts is for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult your mental health professional with any questions and seek care if needed. Just as a heads up, we may be using movie clips with explicit language and may discuss mature and adult themes and topics. Thank you for joining us today. We will be covering the theme of relationships and couples therapy in this episode. Are you telling me that after seven years together, you still get aroused by the same woman? I do. Jason and I are seriously considering getting a divorce. And that is why we are going to go here. It's Disneyland for adults. You guys are going to have a blast. Actually, we have found a great group rate. Welcome to Eden, your itinerary. A couple of skill building at 6 a.m. I think there's a misunderstanding here. We signed up for the fun stuff. You either partake of the entire package or have none of it. So we got to give a little bit of our day up to talk about feelings. How bad can it be? My husband got caught in this shark situation. It's time to get the guns and shoot some fish. Jason pulled a gun on our therapist. I'm going to shoot you in the head. And forced him to say whether or not we were going to make it. What would you say? Put that in. I'll holster this. Give up. Couples Retreat. That's right. We're putting the movie Couples Retreat on our couch. So, Dr. Sam, maybe you could tell us a little bit about why we chose to focus on couples therapy and relationships today. Well, so far, I feel like we've had a lot of great content and have largely covered individual therapy. So either with Will Hunting, Brennan, or Dale, we've really covered individual therapy and situations. So today, we wanted to focus on couples therapy. Um, and interestingly, you know, as we're shifting into couples therapy, the average couple waits six years before ever seeking therapy, which I think is kind of crazy. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, especially if you are potentially realizing some difficulties or struggles beforehand, I think it's interesting to note that people do really wait a long time before trying it out. Yeah, and it's particularly interesting given some of the research out there on um, rates of divorce. So um, the research out there shows that up to 50% of marriages end in divorce, and 50% of those that end, end within this first seven years. So if you're waiting till year six to start getting couples therapy, you only have a little bit of time before that window where the most uh, divorces occur. That's true, you're not giving yourself much time to maybe work through some of those things. Yeah. Why do people end up getting divorced? So there's obviously a host of reasons, and we should also note that there are a lot of cultural considerations to think about with if someone even um, believes in divorce or is willing to divorce or whether they feel like they need to stay in a relationship for various reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the most common reasons that research sites are things like cheating or infidelity feeling like people are incompatible, substance use, so drinking or drug use, um, and just feeling like people are growing apart. Wow. Well, as a married woman, those are pretty scary stats and just overall facts. So, you know, are there signs that a marriage is heading towards divorce? 
There are. So there is um, an institute called the Gottman Institute. It is founded by John and Julie, I believe, Gottman. They are a married couple for like 40 years. They do all this research, and we'll be talking about some of their research today. Um, And they have found this method where they're able to predict with 90% plus accuracy when they interact with a couple for the first time whether they're going to be able to divorce or whether they're going to divorce. Um, And it's based on a few different things. They have them hooked up to like heart rate monitors and all this stuff. Um, So it's a common of a lot of different factors but one of the things they talk about is the presence of what they call the four horsemen dun 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 <laughs> and so the four horsemen are basically these red flags to look for in relationships that indicate that it might be heading in a negative direction um, that would either require pretty intensive couples therapy or maybe even lead to divorce so let's jump in and just talk briefly about what the four horsemen are Uh, The first one is criticism. This one is probably the one that's the most common. This is something that is really an attack on the partner's character. Um, So this, I think, is a really, like I said, it's a very common one and um, something that I think all of us fall into sometimes. This is making statements that are like, you did something or I can't believe you did that. Um, So really like a voice, some kind of complaint or issue with the person or with your partner. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. We can all fall into criticizing or blaming at times. Um, The second one is what they consider to be potentially the worst of the four horsemen. And this is contempt or having a lack of respect for your partner. Um, And when we're communicating with someone, our partner, this is when we're being truly mean. So treating people with disrespect, mocking them, using sarcasm, hostile humor, name calling, um, and also just really negative body language like rolling your eyes or sneering at your partner. And overall contempt really says, I'm better than you, you are lesser than me sounds nasty (laughs) that is not something you want from your to hear from your partner or to be receiving or giving to your partner in a relationship nope so number three is defensiveness this is a way of blaming your partner but in kind of a more passive way Um, it's trying to protect yourself from you know feeling like a victim in a situation trying to ward off a perceived attack so you can imagine if someone comes in with criticism we might respond with defensiveness um but the problem is that it's the perceived effect is blame and it's usually a counterattack, um, and it's not even always in response to true criticism it could just be to a complaint or um, you know a frustration that a partner is trying to voice yeah definitely i feel like again this is another one that we can definitely see like either in our friendships or relationships so you definitely want to be weary uh the fourth one is stonewalling so stonewalling is really kind of avoiding or not talking about the problem and what this might look like is in a discussion or an argument the someone really withdraws from the interaction so they shut down they close themselves off Um, this could be because they're feeling overwhelmed Uh, but metaphorically speaking it's like they actually build a wall between them and their partner and just kind of close down that interaction so some listeners might be thinking, oh no, am I doomed? Um, but no, do not fear. There are ways to prevent some of these issues, but also to catch them and work on creating happier and healthy relationships. Um, but I'm wondering, is going to a tropical island and doing sensual sunrise yoga the way that couples are able to do that? Maybe. I guess let's see how that works out for the characters of Couples Retreat. <laughs> <laughs> So 
Couples Retreat is about four couples who are all close friends um, that go, as Dr. Fran alluded to, to a tropical island retreat together. So in particular, one of the couples is very interested in saving their marriage, and they work to convince the rest of their friends um, to join them in this retreat by luring them with beaches and jet skis. They've got your kayaking, they've got your windsurfing, they've got your canoeing, they've got your jet skiing. It's got couple skill building and snorkeling. Whoa, 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 back up. What was that last thing? Snorkeling? No, no. Before snorkeling, after jet skiing, you said couple skill building. That sounds like therapy to me. Oh, oh see, that's going to be a therapy. problem. Hell no. to the no. And then you don't have to do it. That's the great thing about the Pelican package, you guys. It, it really includes everything. Obviously, Jason and I want to partake in the couple skill building, but you guys can just do the fun stuff. Sounds wonderful. However, upon arriving on the island, the other three couples are upset to discover that couples therapy is mandatory. Oh, no. <laughs> Worst thing ever for them. <laughs> so do these couples retreats really exist? Because it does sound pretty fun. So they do. I really scoured the internet trying to find different couples retreat and see if there was research on them about how effective they were and different things like that. A lot of like anecdotally people will write reviews and talk about how amazing and helpful they were and like rejuvenating their relationship or um, kind of creating bonds and different things like that. Um, however, there just isn't any evidence or like research that's been able to measure that. Um, so we just don't really know how effective they are. And some other things to think about with the couples retreats in general, they oftentimes are really expensive. Most people yeah. can't afford to go on these really lavish, expensive, long retreats. Um, so that's not gonna be something for everyone. I doubt insurance covers them. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, another kind of con or drawback from the couples retreat uh, approach would be that they can often be really intense and emotionally heavy, especially much more than portrayed in the movie, which we'll get into in a little bit. They're oftentimes not going to be spent the whole time on jet skis and all that stuff, because if that was how you could improve your relationship, then any weekend trip to the beach would be your kind of magic pill, um, which again... A couple's retreat or even one or two therapy sessions, there's no magic pill for fixing relationships. Like with many things in mental health or just in life in general, um, things like this take work. And so even if someone goes on a couple's retreat, they may still find that they have to go to therapy after or put, on, put in a lot of work to like maintain any progress that's been made during the retreat. So what you're saying, Dr. Fran, is that having all of your marital problems resolved in a weekend paradise trip uh, may not be as realistic as it's portrayed in the movie. <laughs> maybe so, not. Yeah, maybe not. And in this movie, we do see each couple go through therapy as a couple. So let's kind of dive into how the actual therapy sessions look for each of them. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I think we should start with Ronnie and Dave, um, played by Vince Vaughn and Malin Ackerman. I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, so they're kind of, I think, the most relatable couple in the movie. They get, I think they're kind of more like the most protagonist type characters. Um, yeah, Vince Vaughn kind of seems like the ringleader of the friend group, kind of. And they just seem to be the characters that most couples probably can relate to, I would yes. think. Um, so initially, they don't really report that they have many issues. How would you describe your relationship? Average, great. great. Average. Yes. I mean, yeah. And to clarify, what is an average, great relationship? Uh, well, we we make it through things pretty good together. You know, we have two great kids. No one's called 911 in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it kind of seems like the therapist has a different opinion on the relationship. There it is. Uh, you said we make it through things well together. That doesn't sound very fun. You don't want to look back and say, I made it through my life. We want to enjoy our projects, enjoy our work week. We want to enjoy our lives, celebrate our lives. And all this talk about my project and his work and my this and his that and mine and his and mine and his, it's, where's us in all that? Where is our journey? I don't hear it. And it's because it's not there. Listen, I'm not saying that, that there's not some really stressful times sometimes because there is, but it works for us. Does it? I don't know. Oh gosh, I don't know you guys. There's no us, there's no we. You two could be perfect strangers. I think the one thing that we can agree on today is that you guys should be doing a lot better than just works. Pretty sure that's why you're here. Oh, that's it. Great, great job, everybody. Thank you. So what we're seeing is that um, the therapist is thinking that the couple's kind of in denial about some issues that might be under the surface. He's saying there's a lot of separation. They both have their own things. There's not really a lot of us. Um, And he's criticizing a lot the way that they're saying, like, things just work. He wants them to really strive for better and to have more more, um, happiness overall in their relationship. Yeah, and I think we could kind of dive in a little bit about what we think of this therapist approach. So, you know, I think in theory, it is a good idea, right? We want um, Dave and Ronnie to do better than quote unquote, just what works. Um, And he's really trying to dive in and see like if this is really working for them. And they do describe a lot of like, you know, uh, Dave works a lot and Ronnie does the home stuff and there does appear to be a lot of separation. So while we think that this is a good idea in theory, Dr. Fran, what do you kind of think of his approach, the therapist's approach with them? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely pretty directive um, and direct with them. So we'll talk about a few examples where um, he especially has issues developing some rapport relationship with Dave. But again, I do like the idea of kind of trying to figure out, and this might be even a question we ask in therapy of like, is that really working for you? He does it in a little bit more of a confrontational way, which I think doesn't really help the situation. But um, I think, again, like you said, the idea is good. He just takes a very direct um, and I think clearly sided approach. He really seems to side with Ronnie and sometimes uses harsh or critical language with Dave, which that is a really challenging part in couples therapy is finding that balance between um, you're not just working with one individual, you're working with two as a couple. And so you can't really develop that one-sided alliance with one of the people because they're not going to be able to buy in as much. And um, the therapeutic relationship is just going to be really challenging um, or strained if it's very obvious that you're siding with one of the two people. Definitely. I think in therapy, you know, the goal is always to have a very non-judgmental and uh, positive approach to the rapport. So when you're working with two people, even more important that you appear non-judgmental and Um, Mm non-biased. I think a good example of the therapist kind of being lopsided, being more on Ronnie's side and using harsh and critical language, not really building positive rapport with Dave can be heard here. That's interesting. That's interesting. Why, Why do you keep writing stuff down on your little pad there? Oh, I'm taking notes. (laughs) Would it make you more comfortable if I didn't take notes? Yeah, actually, it would make me more comfortable. Thank you. That's interesting. So as you can see, Dave's asking the therapist about note-taking, and the therapist just continues to take notes, even though asking whether or not Dave would be more comfortable if he didn't do it. 
Yeah, and I think that's really interesting just aside that a lot of us do take notes in sessions. I have been told by some supervisors not to take notes at all because some people just aren't comfortable with it. But if a client tells you that they're not comfortable with you taking notes, most therapists would probably just say, oh, okay, like thanks for letting me know and put their notes away and then you just have to remember things. Or you might just give a little bit more justification for why you're taking notes, but you're not just going to be like, oh, interesting and ignore their preference. Exactly, and I definitely have seen... I work with a lot of kids and teenagers and as you're taking notes, they do kind of try to look at it or they're curious and I just let them know I'm taking notes so that later on I remember what we talked about and can just help me to remember so when we work together in the future, I remember the important things and usually they're fine with it. I think even more interesting, you know, kind of given Dave's preference for not taking notes, later the therapist then looks at the notes related to something Dave is saying and laughs right at him. So just not very, not very nice. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think any of us can imagine that if we're interacting with a person like that in general, let alone your therapist, and they're kind of making these snide remarks or kind of laughing at you, that you're not going to feel very safe or comfortable in that session or in that relationship. And I agree, like some of his tactics, like so for example, he really starts to potentially unearth all of these problems in this relationship that they maybe were not aware of and are really kind of feeling unsettled by and then just ends the session abruptly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's also not an approach that I would take if I was, you know, delivering some potentially unsettling news or wanting to process this with the couple I was working with. I would not just do so at the end <laughs> and then leave yeah, them definitely. to, you know, fend on their own, so to speak. Yeah, especially when you've basically told this couple that they have really serious issues when they came in thinking they were totally fine. And I also like, Dr. Fran, how you touched upon, like, the therapist taking sides. So I think there's a really funny example of when um, Dave has undergone a quote-unquote traumatic experience. So how was your night? My husband found himself in a very traumatic shark situation. Here we go. As we were planning to go to the waterfall and have a romantic evening because, as you know, we don't do that very often because of the kids and work. But somehow this this crazy, traumatic shark experience was, was enough to make him neglect his wife. Ronnie, nice to meet you. Well said. David, how did that make you feel? I know my truth. Excuse me? I know my truth. Did you say, I know my truth? Oh, boy. And I think this is a good place to maybe bring back in some of the four horsemen. So in this clip, we see that Ronnie is exhibiting some criticism, right? So she's kind of being um, hypercritical of the feelings that Dave is having in response to his shark attack. Yeah, and he immediately comes up with that defensiveness, which we talked about often comes up when we perceive criticism, which she is being critical. Um, And he says, kind of under his breath, oh, here we go, right? So he's already at the ready because she's come in with this pretty harsh, what they'll call like a harsh startup in Gottman's therapy of like coming in um, kind of on the attack a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And she's placing blame on him. I believe she says something like, you know, this whole event led him to neglect his wife. So instead of kind of taking the ownership of her feelings and how she was experiencing the event, she's really putting a lot of that blame on Dave. And then Dave eventually ends up stonewalling, right? He says, I know my truth. And he just shuts down and he's unwilling to even engage in a conversation about this event. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I feel like we've get three out of the four four horsemen in just this one really small interaction, um, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so overall, like, what are our feelings on Dave and Ronnie? 
So I think overall they represent a pretty good example of how even though we might have a couple that's for the most part pretty content, they're not having these major blow up fights, they're not even considering divorce or anything like that, but they still could really benefit from couples therapy. Maybe not with this therapist in particular who um, does some kind of not questionable things, but just um, maybe not the most effective or the most useful strategies or ways of approaching things. Um, but I think the general idea being that this is a couple that could really benefit from some work on communicating more effectively and um, just creating more like shared meaning and uh, different aspects of the relationship in that way. I agree. And then that brings us to shift towards another couple so Cynthia and Jason played by Kristen Bell and Jason Bateman so you know this is a couple who they are actually the ones that are very interested in coming on the retreat because they feel like they are at the brink of getting a divorce Um, they are both very you know strong-willed organized task-oriented individuals that like to be in control they bring in a booklet of what their their whole background like a thousand pages or something to their therapist so that um, he has an idea of what they're like presenting with. Yes, which they have a lot of medical background because one of their main stressors is trying to conceive a child, which has put a lot of strain on the relationship. Um, it seems like they're not able to communicate as effectively together as Cynthia kind of feels like there's a lot of pressure coming from Bateman as he, as we see in the movie, will describe her as like fertile and of the earth. Well, I just mean that, the, you know, you look bountiful and fruitful, fertile. Oh, okay. Well, this is getting uncomfortable. And he's obviously trying to be helpful and supportive, but they're just not connecting. (laughs) So what do we see their uh, therapy kind of focusing on? So we see their therapy focusing more on, especially in the one clip, uh, about expressing their feelings and emotion. Um, I heard what you think. You know, what I'm really interested in is hearing about how you feel. Just tell her how you feel. Well, I think if you looked at everything... No, 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 no. Just don't explain intellectually how you feel. You know, just tell her how you feel. One word. Sure. Angry? Cynthia? Uh, judged. Very good. Yes? Progress. (laughs) Excited. (laughs) Relieved. That is it. Yeah. We're awesome at feelings. Okay. (laughs) So again, we're working with two people that are very like task oriented, very logical, rational, numbers based, all these kind of statistics and things like that. Um, And so what we see is that they really are struggling in the first session to access emotional content. And so the therapist is really trying to draw that out and keeps repeating, like, tell her how you feel. Um, And we even talked about maybe with a a couple like this, you might even go back to more basics of they might not even know what that means or how to access those emotions. So you might have to go back to more basics of talking through different emotions and what situations in your relationship do different emotions come up in and different things like that to be able to communicate those effectively to each other. Yeah, I agree. I think they just need some work on understanding, you know, instead of rationalizing what their experience is, really getting down to how they feel and how can they talk together in a way that is supportive as they're trying to be. Um, I feel like one of the most interesting parts about that clip, too, is that, um, you know, given their personalities, uh, Jason Bateman's character is really focused on how bad are they? How are things looking? How's it going to go? Nice job today, guys. Great That's job. That's all for today. That's all for oh, today. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. great. How, how did we do? Did we do good? I mean, we're going to make it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's just our 
first session. You know, we're not looking for an end result here. It's not a competition. I get all that, but have you seen couples that are worse off than us? Yeah, or are we that far gone? Where are you going to put a, like a numerical value on it? You know, Doc, like a one to ten, one being worse, ten being best. Now, hang on one second. Where where would you put us? Right where you are, sir. What if someone put a gun to your head right now and said you have to answer this second or I'll shoot? Are they going to make it? What do you say, huh? What would you say? Whoa. Okay, no one has a gun to my head, Mr. Smith. It's hypothetical. It's not a place for inappropriate behavior. And you definitely don't pull a hypothetical gun on your therapist. How would you handle a situation like that, Dr. Fran? I actually think the therapist does a pretty decent job of handling it. So I think he says something like, you know, you are, he's like, where, what number, where are we in this, different things like that. And he's like, you are where you are. So he's <laughs> kind of trying to find ways to evade the question a little bit. Um, but I haven't had any patients ask me this directly, but I think people do want feedback of like, am I, I think I've gotten the question, like, am I the craziest person you've ever seen? Or like, do mm -hmm. I have the worst problems you've ever seen? And those questions are really hard to answer um, because everyone is so unique and individual and the different situations that we deal with are so individual. So I actually think the therapist does an okay job of trying to answer that and kind of get to the bottom of like, you know, that's not really the point of this. Yeah, I think you're right. It's very important to kind of normalize um, someone's experience and kind of talk to them about how they're feeling. And if they're coming at you with like, how crazy am I? How bad off are we? Um, I think that the therapist who actually is uh, portrayed by Ken Jong, who has a medical degree. So I wonder if he is able to kind of pull from some of his own like bedside manner experiences. Um, you know, I think he does a good job of just kind of you know, pushing back and not really like being too descriptive. And I think progress in therapy will come with time and he's really just getting to know them. So he can't really give a lot of feedback on like their progress at the time potentially. Um, but one of the things I'm hearing is we do think overall that the the way that this therapist is displayed is pretty good, right? He, he uses a lot of pretty good tactics, but I know there's one thing that we really didn't agree with him on. Yeah, so he uses a metaphor about um, Jason Bateman's character strangling a puppy about how he's interacting with Kristen Bell's character. And we think metaphors can be super helpful um, in therapy and especially in couples therapy or different types of therapy, but maybe not this one. <laughs> it's like a little kid who gets a puppy for the first time, just hugs it so much, snaps his neck. Cynthia is your puppy. It's puppy cradle death syndrome. All that love is going to snap that puppy. You don't want that. And I will say also that uh, Dr. Sam and I are a little biased about um, Dr. Ken because we do watch him on Mass Singer and we love him as a judge. So we might be a little biased oh in gosh. our uh, feelings about Dr. Ken. <laughs> True. And maybe like for a little mystery, but Dr. Fran and I also share uh, something else in common with Dr. Ken Jong. So the next couple we want to focus on is Joey and Lucy, played by Kristen Davis and John Favreau, who, you know, they're really not interested in the couple's therapy at all, but are maybe the couple that could benefit the most from it. <laughs> so they've been dating since high school, um, and we see a lot of the four horsemen coming up with them throughout the movie. Lots of criticism, contempt, they just really don't seem to like each other that much and are both having fair affairs um, outside of the marriage as well. Yeah, they, to me, I think, are the couple that would definitely benefit the most. They don't seem to communicate. They don't seem to agree on things. They don't seem to work together. They just seem really unhappy. Yeah, you don't have to be uh, the Gottmans to recognize that they're not heading down the right path in terms of likelihood of divorce. Yeah, and so where does their therapist kind of start with them, right? We're kind of identifying a lot of potential issues. So where does therapy start with them? How would you characterize your marriage? Perfect. Fantastic. 
Well, let's start with something easy then. Um, what's your favorite thing about your partner? Uh, she's a good mom. He really is a great dad. And where did you meet? School. High school. High school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a cheerleader. I was on the football team. Fullback. Fullback. I, I coach now, but I used to play. But um, we had, we actually had uh, our daughter. We, on, pro, on prom night, we uh, conceived Lacey, <laughs> and it was a little confusing at the time, but it's been a blessing. It's been the best thing that's it's ever happened to us. It's been the best thing that ever happened to us. We did the right thing. How often do you have sex? So I actually like the, this therapist portrayal as well. Um, she really starts at the basics, which we'll talk about um, some more accurate portrayals of couples therapy in a little bit, but um, it's a good place to start. She's having them just talk about their favorite things about each other, where they met. Um, she does kind of come in, her third question is how often they have sex, which that's not necessarily somewhere I would go in the first session. Obviously that can be a really important part of couples work um, and intimacy and relationships, um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be one of the first things you talk about especially when you're first meeting a couple and developing relationships and rapport with them. Yeah, and she really does start at the basics with them. Let's kind of uh, listen to a clip where she starts off really simple. Sometimes we forget how to do the easiest thing in the world, which is just to talk to each other. Okay, let's start here. Uh, Lucy, you go first. I want you to look at Joey and say hi. And Joey, after you've heard that, I want you to look back at Lucy and say hello in return. And then we'll, we'll just see where it goes from there, okay? Hi. Hello. So as we can see, she's really just like trying to get them to start a conversation, something that they struggle with. She's like, let's just say hi to each other. Um, and I think we get a really good idea of some of the tension as they argue. So now it's my fault that you don't feel satisfied. Everything is, is my fault? Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm not saying crazy. that. You don't look at me. You don't ever ask me I how work. I am. Ask you haven't me. looked at me in 10 years. I'm crazy and everything is my fault and my family is awful and nothing at all is your fault. Because you rock, Joey. If a guy talked to me like that, I'd punch him in the face. Oh! You're an asshole! And I think this is something that can come up in couples therapy, right? When do we kind of step in or how do we or should we intervene when a conversation is escalating in a couple? So, Dr. Fran, I know we both have some experience with couples therapy. If you were in the room and uh, Joey and Lucy started arguing like this, how might you approach it? So I think it's interesting. I mean, their the couple's therapist is silent. She's just sitting there as they are super, they're escalating. He even says, like, if you were a man, I would slap you. Yeah. I feel like I definitely would not want it to get that far. Definitely not. Um, but this is really challenging. I mean, you want to, it's helpful to gather information. You're getting a better idea of, like, what these interactions look like in real life, which is helpful for you as the therapist trying to gather information and provide intervention. Um, and you obviously, it's not helpful. It's not productive, typically. So, um, but finding that way to intervene is really tricky because, you know, there's no point in the conversation when people are quiet that you can say, okay, so let's go back to talking about such and such. Or, um, so I have had families I've worked with before where we might have some kind of signal that either I'm able to use or the couples are able to use themselves where it's like a timeout signal or putting their hand up or maybe even printing something out that's a stop sign. Mm -hmm. um, basically giving everyone the opportunity to kind of put a break or a pause when things are starting to escalate too much. I like that. And you're 
Totally right. It's a good chance to kind of get a snippet into this couple's everyday and kind of their world. Um, And I think it can be a great point to intervene, like having a system like that. And when you start to notice maybe someone using blaming statements or communicating in a way that is not as productive, really using that as an example, like, oh, see how we approach this here? How else might we have done it? Right. So working with the couple to problem solve and kind of Mm -hmm. shift their approach, I think could be really helpful. Yeah, definitely. It seems like for Joey and Lucy, really kind of focusing on some more positive interactions, some positive and productive communication, we agree with this therapist's approach for them. Um, Mm -hmm. Who knows if it's going to be helpful. (laughs) It doesn't seem to be too helpful, as in this clip at least. Yeah. And for our last couple, um, it, we don't get a ton of screen time for them, but we've got Shane and then Trudy, his girlfriend, but also Jennifer, his ex-wife. So Shane and Jennifer are newly divorced, and he's been dating Trudy, and she's the one that he brings on this couple's retreat. Um, and we see a little bit of their interactions in couples therapy. She wants me to be tougher, screw harder, work less, but, but bring home more. I can't keep this shit straight. All I know is whatever I do is not good enough. Hmm? It's over. Then why are you here? Oh, this is not my wife. This is Trudy. I met her a couple weeks ago. Can we go boogie board now? Shane definitely makes it known that, you know, Trudy's kind of his new girlfriend. They're just having fun together, even though earlier in the movie he does try to buy her a motorcycle. Um, But as we see throughout their therapy sessions, he really still seems to be focused on his relationship with his ex-wife. And he kind of thinks a lot about how he wasn't good enough for her. And we think this is a little bit ironic because we're seeing that in his new relationship. He's not really being himself. He's trying to be the man or the person that he thinks Trudy wants, right? So saying that he's open to staying up late and drinking and partying. Um, But we definitely get the sense that that isn't really what he wants. And he's just kind of acting that way for Trudy. Right. And then, I mean, not through any of the therapist's interventions, but we do find that Shane ends up happy at the end with his ex-wife who um, kind of in a turn of events ends up at the island with them and um yeah it seems like kind of in line with shane she came to the realization that she also misses him and went to the island to look for him and so they as a couple don't really have any therapy but they do end up together so (laughs) hopefully they're happy so maybe it worked maybe couples retreats do work who knows yeah they did for these four couples stepping outside of the movie let's look at some things that real non-cinematic couples therapy might include and a lot of the things that we're going to discuss are pulled again from the Gottman method Um, there are some other methods and approaches that couples therapists use as well um, but we've chosen to kind of stick to these Yeah, and I really like this approach because it, again, really starts at the basics, um, which I think is really easy for a lot of couples to do, not even in couples therapy, but just to be integrating into their relationships regularly. So this is just working on the basics of like increasing closeness and friendship behaviors, um, learning to address conflict productively, and then the goal of building a shared life together so a lot of the interventions might focus on revisiting your origin story because that's oftentimes when people are um, you know really excited about the relationship they are noticing all the qualities about the other person that they really are excited about and care about and um, really see in a life partner so really trying to build up the focus on those positive memories and different pieces like that 
Yeah, and you know there are some other strategies that um, this method uses, like building an emotional bank account. Um, and so the idea behind this is really placing a focus and kind of accumulating positive interactions, so that you have a reserve of those, kind of like a bank, um, so that when negative interactions do occur, you can still kind of fall back on or focus on those positives as well. And I think this kind of goes along that line of the concept that a lot of times the negative experiences we have seem to outweigh the positives. And so trying to flip that and kind of putting a a greater focus and emphasis on those positive interactions that they have as a couple. Definitely. And then also thinking about things like showing appreciation for each other. I think all of us really love when we get that appreciation and validation when we've done something and so that's really helpful to add back in more explicitly into the interactions also working on communication um, a lot of our listeners have probably heard about like I statements so making sure that when we're expressing our needs um, or frustrations that we're doing so by focusing on our own internal experience so I feel such and such um, when this specific situation happens that's much much less likely to elicit defensiveness than kind of coming in hot with like you did this or Mm -hmm. um you know kind of the the criticism coming out yeah and you know all of these kind of um methods and approaches kind of fall back to help address those four horsemen so just like dr fran alluded to in order to address criticism instead of using blaming statements kind of trying to use more of that productive and positive communication and then using what is called a gentle startup so we saw in the clip with ronnie and dave kind of that harsh setup coming at with coming at dave with blame so here we'd want to try to use more of the gentle positive communication to avoid that And then thinking about addressing the contempt or lack of respect. So that was the one we had talked about was maybe one of the the worst or the most difficult to handle. Um, A kind of counter to that would be appreciation like we talked about. So um, showing, again, building that relationship back up, but also just showing the things that we do appreciate about each other instead of always focusing on the things that we don't appreciate about the other person. Yeah, I think that's important. I feel like in general, human relationships – you can hear it in everyday life. People tend to use statements like, you always do this, you never do that, Mm -hmm. right? And instead kind of taking the time to thank your partner when they do the dishes or do something that really makes you happy and just kind of pointing that out can go a long way. Um, To the third horseman, defensiveness, kind of instead of, um, you know, Dr. Fran talked about earlier in the episode, this comes from when people are perceiving that they are being blamed for something, so they kind of get really defensive. Instead of kind of taking that approach, this is really more taking responsibility and kind of seeing how to move forward as opposed to becoming defensive. And then finally for stonewalling, so again, that's kind of shutting down. Um, So working on self-soothing or taking a break when those emotions get really intense and really high. We all can relate to when we're having that really intense emotional experience, it's really hard for us to engage in productive and helpful conversation. Um, So like I talked about with the stop sign, I've had some families do that at home where they either, they like indicate that they need to take a break um, and just different things like that to be able to come back to the conversation later when you're able to have it be more productive and helpful instead of stonewalling or completely withdrawing so saying i know my truth not the best approach (laughs) probably not (laughs) unless that's the safe word that you've come up with with your partner to indicate that you need a break (laughs) <laughs> it might lead to laughter. <laughs> and I one thing I just want to clarify, taking a break does not mean we're not going to come back to the conversation. So stonewalling, I feel like, is just completely removing yourself from the conversation and you're not going to talk about it again. We're just going to avoid this topic. Taking a break is saying, I want to have this conversation, but I'm not in a place to do it right now. So let's take an hour break and come back in a little bit. But you're still going to have the conversation. It's just going to be in a more calm and productive way. 
Yeah, that is a great point. Well, I've really enjoyed, you know, this movie, Couples Retreat, was really just one big therapy episode. So I really loved kind of breaking down the couples, the different therapy sessions. But I think that brings us to our PH Don'ts. This is not a safe place. Sorry, are you, you going to like keep touching me like that? That guy is a total loon. But I cannot talk about my clients. I cannot talk about my clients. Oh, that's it. Great, great job, everybody. Thank you. So don't make your patients strip naked. Don't laugh at your patients. Don't drop a big bomb on your patients about their relationship falling apart and then end session abruptly. Don't tell your patient that they are metaphorically snapping a puppy's neck. And please don't put your patients in shark-infested waters. So, Dr. Sam, why don't you tell us your thoughts on Couples Retreat? I think overall this is a movie that is pretty funny. I feel like it's one of those movies where I'm a little bit biased because I just really love the cast. I'm a big Jason Bateman fan. I love Vince Vaughn. And then you add in Kristen Mm -hmm. Bell. So I think it's just a super funny cast. And I guiltily will love anything Bateman is in. I'm a big fan of his. (laughs) So I like to watch it for that kind of like uh, sense. And I think it's a little nostalgic. It's a, a little bit older. I think it's from 2009. And so I feel like sometimes it's a comedy that I like to have on in the background or put on every it's like one of those movies if it's on TV I'm like oh yeah I'll go ahead and watch it but I think Mm -hmm. it's funny and it's cute I think therapy wise that really varies because there's several therapists in the movies and as we discussed throughout there are certain things that we like certain things we don't I think overall my therapy portrayal would have to be a thumbs down though just because a lot of the techniques overall were a little unorthodox you know they're at this resort which we already kind of talked about would not maybe be necessarily done in this way so I think movie-wise, I think it's funny. Therapy-wise, probably thumbs down. What about you, Dr. Fran? Yeah, I definitely agree. You've got that all-star cast, which makes the movie really fun to go back and watch, especially if you haven't seen it for a long time, to remember all the funny, famous people that are in it. It's not a movie I would say I would watch and go back to a ton. Of, um, it's not one of my like top five favorite <laughs> comedies of all time or anything like that, but it's definitely enjoyable and has funny parts. And similarly to Dr. Sam with the therapy portrayal, you know, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one therapist and give a specific feedback on how good or how bad that specific portrayal was. But I think overall, this is not really an accurate or, um, you know, realistic portrayal of how couples therapy really would work or um, would play out in the real world. So kind of give it a thumbs down for accuracy, at least. Yeah, I, A plus for entertainment value. Exactly. I agree with that. I think when we were chatting about this at one point, I said it just seems like all of these like great actors and actresses are friends and they're like, let's just get together and go film a comedy in Bora Bora, right? Like, doesn't it just have like that kind of mm-hmm. sense? <laughs> Definitely. That would be a fun trip to be a part of. Yes. <laughs> all right. Session's over for Couples Retreat. Let us know your thoughts on the movie. We'd also love to hear what questions you have about psychology and what movies or TV shows you want us to put on our couch and break down next. Don't forget to check out our website, FreudianScripts.com, for additional information. Please find and follow us on social media, and as always, subscribe, rate, and review. Time's up. See you next session. We'd like to thank our producer, Brandon our creative director, Eric, and webmaster, Don. 